Well, I want to say, um, my name is Kathy, and I'm glad to be with you today. My heart is tremendously heavy, um, as I am, one, feeling like the Lord and his words need to be represented well. And then I also realize that this topic today is very controversial. In fact, when you heard the J word, some of you started to stir inside and you're like, okay, where's where she going to go with that? And so I assure you that the Lord has been, his spirit has been at work in my heart. And I'm just presenting and sharing with you from his words. And speaking of his words, right now, would you grab your Bible? I don't know if you have a, <clears throat> a paper one that you can open and hear the crack and smell the pages and see the fine gold on the edge. Um, if you don't have one and you use your phone, use your phone. Um, I tend to like this better, but um, use what you have. Also, in front of you, there's a pew Bible. And my friends, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that. If you don't have one, take that. Those aren't to sit in the pew every week, so we have them here over and over. They need to be in the hands of the Lord's people so that his word can get into us. So would you, if, that's, if you don't have one, grab one and take that with you. And we're going to open up. In the New Testament, it's almost to the very back, if you look. Uh, it's called 1 John. So turn in your Bibles to the book 1 John. And while you're turning there, uh, we're going to be in chapter 4. We were teaching the kids down in the kids' zone that um, when the Bible was uh, first released, <laughs> that there weren't chapters and verses, numbers that were in there, but those are there to help us find the verses we need to find. So find chapter 4, and then go to verse 7. And First John, uh, I have to share with you, is a poetic sermon that was written to, to some churches, and it's all about Jesus and his teaching. And so, are you there? Can you show me, like, like thumbs up if you're there? Oh, great. Okay, good. First John, chapter 4. Um, I love that in this place, we reserve space to show respect to this book by standing and reading it together. So would you join me in standing? And if it's hard to stand, please stay seated. We, but let's just honor the, these words as we read. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I'm reading 1 John chapter 4. I'm starting at verse 7 in the NLT version. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our, what's the S word there? Sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And let's skip ahead to verse 19. It says, we love each other because he 
loved us and first. Mm. Lord, how we love these words. We thank you for the gift of your holy scriptures that lead us in a way of heaven on earth. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you a word of caution. Um, Today, this topic, as I said earlier, may unleash within you something that is hard. It might be to put your finger on or fully understand. It certainly does in me. And I'm very passionate about what God has laid on my heart today. So you may hear the voice of a mom. You may hear the passionate voice of a teacher. Uh, You may hear the passionate voice of one who has experienced monetary poor, social economic status, me. You may hear the voice of someone who's been abused, me. You may hear the someone who's been unfairly treated based on my gender and my status growing up. So if I jump into passionate mode, please understand that the Lord has worked on my life and he continues to work on my life so that I love others better. And so I come with you with that lens and I wanted you to understand that. I'm not, my heart is not to be, um, my heart is not to, to um, preach, although that is kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> My heart is to join you in love and how we can grow better to love God more. So let me ask you this. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Right now, some of you are thinking like a Tim Horns Timbit. You might be thinking of your favorite sushi or a bowl of pasta. I'm sorry. Now I've got, now I've got you thinking about that. Well, um, your mind and your stomach might be going there, but you didn't give this time today to be tantalized by some physical craving, and I understand that. But something deep within you today longs for a world that values the image of God in every person and puts the needs of others above your own, that loves your enemies and keeps no records of wrong. So what do you truly hunger for? And maybe I should clarify, what do you think about inside when you hear about justice? I love all things nature. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad would whistle me in the house at the, at the very, like, 9 o'clock when it was dark outside. I would be playing outside to every last minute I could, and my dad would whistle me in to come in on a school night. I love learning about and exploring God's creation. And recently, I learned about some peculiar behaviors of God's creatures. <laughs> All right, so are you ready? This is kind of like a did-you-know moment. Now, the kids' own kids love these because they love hearing about God's creation and love hearing how he created them so uniquely. How about this one? Did you know that? If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. (laughs) How about this? If you are a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. The honey badger is known to savagely and fearlessly attack any other species when escape is impossible, even larger predators like lions and hyenas. A honey badger. It even sounds like a nice, sweet animal. Or if you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one twin to take care of the other. 
But my friends, if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, unjust. So why do humans care so much about justice? Why do humans care so much about justice? Now, if you're a learner, I hope you all are a learner. If you're a note taker and like to write things down, you might want to take this out and write this down. Okay, uh, you're gonna, you can keep that close to you. You can put it in your, in your car, in your Bible, in a book, a place where you might revisit it. The Bible tells us that one of the reasons we long for justice is because all people have been created in the image of God. All people have been created in the image of God. Everyone, every human being, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, age, height, weight, shoe size, IQ, all of us humans are image bearers. Write it down, image bearers, because we forget. And we look at people with disgrace. And we look at certain people in certain situations and think they're dirty, or they don't have the nicest clothes, or they don't have this, that, or the other thing. All human beings are image bearers. On page one of this book, the Bible, humans are set apart. They're made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. As image image bearers, every one of us here in this place and outside of this place have been uniquely endowed with priceless worth and value. Reverend Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, you're going to see his picture here. He says this. Now, let me give you a little background about him uh, from what I know. He's a pastor. He's also... um, the creator of uh, what's called Civil Righteousness Dot, is it Com Inc. something? Com? One of those net things. One of those dot somethings. <laughs> anyway, this is what he says Every people group carries a distinctive stamp of divine DNA, yet we are united in humanity through our shared origins in the first Adam and our shared redemption in the second Adam, Jesus. We have forgotten where we come from. We have forgotten where we come from. We believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, a truth recorded by a Middle Eastern man who may or may not have shared the same color that you see in the mirror. Our roots all go back to the same dust and the same breath. Don't forget it when you think that you're better than somebody else. That sounded, that's the mom part coming out. Okay, sorry. When you look at someone else, remember that we all here come from the same dust and the same breath. We all have the divine DNA stamp of the almighty God. But unfortunately, 
from the beginning of time, if you go to page two, three, four, and on, there exists this like thread of self-preservation where humans are constantly redefining good and evil to their own advantage at the expense of others. It is called S-I-N. What's that spell? You got it, sin. So today we're going to be focusing on love-driven justice. It's the second value of the Free Methodist Way that there's a book like this that has all of the five values of the Free Methodist Way. Um, So we're focusing our attention on love-driven justice. And the reason we're doing that is because today... We have made space to meet with one another and to meet with God because we believe, and some of you may not have thought this when you came in through the snow and you got up an hour, whatever. Uh, I think my alarm went off at three or something like that because I thought it was one of those alarms if you switch the switch, it's like spring ahead or winter back. I don't know. So anyway, generations will reap what we sow. So let's sow well and give God space to weed out anything in us that is out of alignment with his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Love is the way we demonstrate God's heart for justice. That first word, love, is the way we demonstrate God's heart for justice by valuing the image of God in all humans. Acting with compassion toward the oppressed, resting oppression in all its forms, and stewarding creation. So I want to tell you a little um, history lesson here. Um, about how this is important to the Free Methodist way. The founders of the Free Methodist Church, primarily B.T. Roberts, at the time of the Civil War, preceded by John Wesley in the uh, mid-late 1700s. Any history buffs? Anybody like to hear about history? Anybody (laughs) canceled history? Don't raise your hand on that one. Um, Preceded by John Wesley in the mid-to-late 1700s, held a deep conviction around matters of injustice. While Wesley was known for advocating the poor, you can read about his life, he was found giving socks out to children in the streets of London, food to to people who were without food in the streets of London, as well as creating shelters, schools, hospitals. B.T. Roberts, this guy right there, B.T. Roberts argued strenuously (laughs) against slavery and encouraged women to fulfill their call to preach. He and his wife, Ellen, took on causes of abolitionism and the rights of women, while denominations were charging for the best seats at that time. I don't know if you knew that, but used to have to pay to sit up here. (laughs) Won't we? Okay. Okay. People were charging for the best seats and showing... um, preference to people who had a lot of money and had a lot of high socioeconomic status. But Ellen and his wife, B.T., took a stand. And this is the book called B.T. and Ellen Roberts and the First Free Methodists. And it's interesting when you read this, the connection to Harry Beecher Stowe and some of the other people they had in contact with. It is incredible. So if you like reading about history and you want to know a little bit more, I would encourage you to read that book. But what does that have to do with us today? You know, justice is like a really hot topic. How many of you have seen that? Justice is a really hot topic today, yep. Um, And it is not a new problem. From the beginning of time, post-fig leaf coverings, humans have been devaluing the image of God in one another. But why? 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 Why in our current cultural moment can't we just give them a nice kindness message? 
and have it go away. Likely you are here today because you identify as a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're on a journey to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ, pursuing righteousness or right living and holiness. And you take Jesus' words seriously from Matthew 5, 6 to heart with great conviction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, what does it say? Filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What are you hungry for? Hmm. You hunger, if you're like me, you hunger for a pre-fall garden of Eden paradise where all people are valued as image bearers and live in complete and perfect love. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's why we hurt. On the other hand, there are some of you who are here that are investigating, trying to make sense of who Jesus is. You have, you hear, you've heard the name, maybe you've heard it on the news, you've heard it from a friend and why you're here, and how he lived radically different than the culture that he lived in. You have observed recent happenings in our nation, and you may be finding yourself at a place asking, what is going on? How can I make a difference? How can I live as Jesus lived, appreciating the image of God in all human beings? I assure you that God is more zealous about justice issues than you or I could ever be. But instead of jumping on a trend of social justice, let's dive into the medley of justice and righteousness together from the Holy Word, the Holy Scriptures. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. Say that. Isn't it kind of sound fun to say? Mishpat. Mishpat is the Hebrew word for justice, and it's all throughout Scripture, and it kind of is paired with another word, but it predominantly means giving people what they are due as human beings made in the image of God. As we study justice throughout the Scriptures, we discover that it's often paired with righteousness. So this word, mishpat, is paired with another word, and together they're justice and righteousness, and they go hand in hand all throughout the Scriptures. The Old Testament has prophets that cry out uh, using this word over and over again with the highest number of instances of the word found in the writings of Isaiah, the prophet, with 30 mentions of mishpat justice. From one of the minor prophets, Micah, also widely known for his writings in the book of Micah, he writes about what the Lord requires of us to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. It's right there. I love it how it says it in the uh, message um, translation. Um, read it with me. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in men and women, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously, Micah 6, 8. Who are we supposed to take seriously? God, but oh, if you're like me, you take yourself so much more seriously. Mm, Lord, help, help me. 
Act justly, do what is fair, love mercy, be compassionate, walk humbly, don't take yourself too seriously, but take God seriously. Well, the other word that's paired with mishpat is seduka. 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 Any Hebrew people here that speak Hebrew really well? I might have just slaughtered that. Seduka. Seduka is the word righteousness. So mishpat, sounds like seduku, <laughs> mishpat and seduka, they kind of come together, justice and righteousness. It means living in a right relationship, treating everyone with fairness, generosity, and equity. These two terms, justice and righteousness, are used throughout scripture in a medley that go hand in hand and are to be pursued in a combination, not separate It's of justice and righteousness together, not justice or righteousness, as our culture currently relies on just one and not both. So for us today, desiring to hear from God, wanting to pursue justice and righteousness as we live our day-to-day lives, let's look at how Jesus lived. He's our example. I'm going to be looking in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 18. It's on the screen. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in the synagogues, and was, and he began teaching in the synagogues and was praised by all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Just like Jesus, you are here today. He entered the synagogue on Sabbath. You are here today entering the church. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now this always amazes me. This is like, oh my goodness. Only God could work this thing out. The spirit of the Lord. So he has this, so imagine he's come to this place. He's at the synagogue. He opens the scroll that had like round things and like went on forever and was made out of some paper that we don't like like paper we have today. He opens this up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. There's Jesus in the synagogue with the scroll He had just, what we didn't read, he had just been in a desert for 40 days, tempted. He hadn't eaten for 40 days, and here he is opening a scroll, saying what his mission is, what his purpose in life is. And if you have spent time reading the Bible and other literature about the life of Jesus, or you look at artwork that's plastered all over museums, all over the world, sculptures about Jesus all over the world, The writings portray how God's power is preferential to the poor, oppressed, marginalized, and the suffering. His primary objective was not to establish a better society. Rather, he brought heaven to earth, releasing deliverance, freedom, salvation, holiness, justice, and true righteousness. And Jesus' love allows us to live out of our shared redemption in the second Adam. And as his disciples, he calls us to do the same. It is only his love for us that enables us to love others, seeing the priceless image of God in every human we encounter. There's a ministry for at-risk children called One Less Ministry. 
and it's directed by a lady named Christine Erickson. And as she's talking about her ministry to children at risk, she says, in contrast to social justice, which focuses on a temporal view of addressing injustices in society, biblical justice starts with the eternal in mind. Hmm. It starts by seeing people as God sees them, recognizing that we are all created in the image of God and it is incumbent upon Christ followers to pursue physical and spiritual freedom for the oppressed so others can become what God created them to be. Did you catch that? She said that biblical justice starts with the eternal in mind. Justice starts by seeing people as God sees them. If you hear nothing else today, I hope that you hear that. That it starts by seeing people as God sees them and recognizing that we're all created in the image of God. But we must understand that social justice, while it is really current and it's really hip, nod your head if you see that, yeah, it's really current and really hip, and its intent may be good, and in our cultural moment today, social justice at its core does not see people as God sees them, loving them as Jesus first loved them seeing them as made in the image of the almighty God. So for centuries, people have studied the life of Jesus, puzzled by his way of living, living, questioning his motivations, wanting the life he offers, but feeling so unworthy of his love. And one of those persons puzzled by the life of Jesus is one that wrote in the book because he had this amazing transformation in his life. And that is Paul And in a letter to the church of Philippi, he encouraged the believers then, and he's challenging us today. While these words may be ancient, my my friends, these are for me and you today. And this is what he said. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, (laughs) that at the name of Jesus, every name, Every knee, even if you can't bow, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. One of my, um, here's another book. I, like, I, like, I do a lot of reading. <laughs> um, and some of you have read this book by Bob Goff. Um, it's called Everybody Always. Anybody read this, seen this? Yeah. He's so amazing. As a writer and as a deep thinker, and as an encourager of those who love God. This is what he says in his book. He notes that when our identity is found in Jesus Christ, we take on a new set of rules. And he says, Jesus said, if people wanted to be at the front of the line, they needed to go to the back. If they wanted to be a good leader, they would need to be an even better follower. 
If they want to know him better, they need to, think, they need to stop thinking about themselves so much. I mix, I'm mixing, I'm making his quote, just slaughtering it. <laughs> They'd need to stop thinking so much about themselves, and if they wanted to love him more, they needed to love each other more. Are you inspired by the way of Jesus? Do you look at his, read his stories about his life and see how he put others first? How he was the last instead of the first? How he followed while he was still leading? It is absolutely incredible. Do you find yourself hungering for this beauty, of beautiful combination of mishpat and saduka, saduka, not sudoku, justice and righteousness together? I am. I love God. And when I read about how Jesus lived, I'm inspired to love others. But I'm also overwhelmed by his love and grace poured out for me. I wrestle with his love for me. I struggle to love the image of God in myself. While at the same time deeply craving this medley of justice and righteousness to flow out of me, I live in a place of feeling so inadequate. And you know what the enemy loves? He loves that place in me. The enemy stirs up the pain of my childhood wounds, the pain of being looked upon, looked down upon for living in a low social economic status, for getting food stamps as a kid, for struggling to find things that we needed. He brings up the abuse and the desire to find value in all the wrong things. Hmm. And I, like many of you, desire to love because he first loved me. So I try the dance of combining the two expressions of love to others, but then sometimes, and I bet this happens to some of you, you fail. I'm venturing to say that you may find this happening. You fail or you try and you're rejected. You draw inward, you retreat, you try again, and the willpower that you had, that you thought you had to love others is drained and there's no power behind the will. We are not yet fully awakened to biblical justice, mercy, and truth in our lives until we invite God to search our hearts and expose the barriers that hinder us from being driven by love in how we can act justly to other image bearers. Um, Silently, maybe in the innermost parts of your heart, you relate. You feel it right now in this moment as I say it. And let me just tell you a little side note. I don't know everything in your heart. I don't. This is what I know. I know that God created each and every one of you in his image. And I don't think I'm the only one here in this place that struggles with accepting the love of God for myself so that I can be propelled to love others. That'd be really weird if I was the only one, and I know I'm not. (laughs) But there is one who wonderfully created you. He knows everything about you. And loves you so immensely (laughs) that he gave his only son as a sacrifice to welcome you back 
And that is the whole story cover to cover of this book. God loves people. He puts them in this amazing garden. He gives them choice out of their love. They fail. He brings, them, he brings a rescue plan. He comes, they fail again. He rescues them again. They fail again. He rescues them again. He fail again. They rescue them again. And then finally he's like, I'm giving my only son to die on the cross for each and every person. That is to me mind-blowing. That's like love. Oh my goodness, that is... You see, my friends, in the words of Pastor Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, where inequity demands a civil rights movement, iniquity, sin, demands a civil righteousness movement. And some of you today need to civil, you need a civil righteousness movement in your heart. And you know it right now as I speak. You feel it because the Holy Spirit's pinging you. God desires to forgive you, to love you more, to show you a way of life that leads to the greatest love and peace, that no career, no income, no collection of stuff, no car, no status, no food, no substance, no loved one in this world will ever satisfy. So you want to see every human being as wonderfully and fearfully made? In the image of God, grow in your understanding of God's love for you. Remember, love because he first loved us. I want to grow in my love for others, remembering that he first loved me. It is only his love for us that enables us to love others, seeing the priceless image of God in every human that we encounter. When you look at the poor, what is your first thought? What is your second? When you look at the marginalized, what do you see? When you look at the eyes of a person whose skin color may be a shade or two different than you, what do you see? And when you look at yourself, what do you see? When you look at anyone, what do you see? Do you see the image of God? So you desire to be a person who sees the image of God in all human beings. A person who is an uncalculated giver. Who does inconceivable things in the interest of loving God and others. (laughs) A person that has such a level of appreciation for the image of God in themselves that out of gratitude they become self-forgetful about their own needs. That's real countercultural, my friends. That's real countercult. That's the way of Jesus. So forgetful, self-forgetful about their own needs and whose life makes no sense apart from Jesus. So I want to give you some practical ways that we can live out love, looking at the life of Jesus as our inspiration for loving as he first loved us. Look individuals in the eyes. That sounds so simple but it can be so incredibly difficult. Would you give them the honor and respect of your attention by when people are talking to you, looking at them in their eyes? What about listen? Silence your own agenda and give your attention to the person. 
I should, I should say right now, before I go on to number three, that these are for me. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I'm saying them out loud to you because they're for me, but I thought maybe they might be for you too. I'm not good at these, and I don't claim to be a rock star at any of this stuff. I'm just growing like the rest of us are. I want to love God more and accept his image and the people of others. The third one, slow down. Whew, that's really hard for me. Make space in your day for engaging in the life of other people. How about pray? <laughs> As you listen to others, offer spot prayer invitations to communicate that you care. Volunteer, put yourself in places where you are last, not first. Donate, give, allow the Holy Spirit to release you from the prison of accumulation. You can also visit our website for a little inspiration. I don't know if you've been to um, there recently, but if you go to ipsyfree.org slash liveoutlove, there's a list of like 28 things. Because we know that sometimes we forget how to love others the best way. We forget ideas or we just kind of get so into ourselves that we forget. So as we read and remember how Jesus lived, these are a few that we notice in the scriptures. Has he interacted with the oppressed, possessed, sick, marginalized, pious, lepers, thieves, sex workers, and others? He listened to them. He looked them in the eyes. He fed them. He restored sight to the blind. He even got in the way of some people throwing stones at a woman because she was a sex worker. So as we grow in our understanding of love and the image of God in all people, let's think about two questions. The first one is this, and it's in your notes, and I, want, I encourage you to just think about it. We're going to just read it together and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. What would change in your life? if you treated others like they were created in the image of God? We're going to just pause right there. What would change in your life if you treated others like they were created in the image of God? Image of Almighty God. Hmm. Some of you are thinking about family interactions maybe you had yesterday or this morning. Maybe you're thinking about... Um, an interaction with a child or somebody, your neighbor. Hmm. And the next question is this. It's not really a question. It's more of let's do this because we, we want to love God better. Let's spend a moment reflecting on what treating others as image bearers looks like in your life right now. And where God has you. Spend a moment reflecting on what treating others as image bearers looks like in your life right now where God has you. Hmm. Dead silence. You guys are processing this as I am too. There are many practical ways to love as God first loved you, but to start, some of us need to take a look in the mirror and thank God for his image in us. For some here, that may find it the most difficult step toward loving the image of God in all people. That may be your biggest barrier today because it's really hard to love yourself in God's image. If that's you today, I want to think about this short practice. 
It's truths from the scriptures that you can say to yourself daily out loud. Repeat after me. I bear the image of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love because God first loved me. Let's do it again. I bear, I bear the image of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love because he first loved me. And that might be what you need to do is just stand in the mirror and say, I bear the image of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love you because you first loved me. When we come to this place and this space, we do not come to sit and soak. I hope none of you came to check church off your to-do list. Or maybe you came just to be with a family member. I hope that this space is a place where you have been able to remember and think about the image of God in you. If you remember, we invited the Holy Spirit into this place and in this space. And what I find so crazy but so amazing about God is that somebody came to me this morning and prayed for me, and in the words of their prayer were the exact words that I spoke today. That person had no clue what I was going to say. No clue. And only an amazing God who loves us does things like that, who shows up and affirms things that you, that, that's going to be said because it's something that we all need. I was recently reading about a Japanese art expression called kintsugi. Some, has anybody heard of that? A Japan, this Japanese art expression called kintsugi? It's a Japanese tradition of mending broken pottery with liqueur and powdered gold. It sounds so beautiful, doesn't it? <laughs> powdered gold. Like, what is that? <laughs> a way to see fragments and fractures as something to be highlighted and mended with gold powder, making the object more valuable than the original. What if, in our time together today, God has highlighted some fractured and fragmented parts in your heart that need to be mended with his gold powder, his love, and his forgiveness? Chances are the Holy Spirit has pinged you I feel it. I felt it. Maybe you were hoping I was going to jump on a bandwagon and pass out yard signs and buttons. But as I read the truths and the holy scriptures and reflect on the meaning and context of God's word, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm disappointed over and over again at how much my understanding of justice was so shallow. And the Lord's definition of justice is so big. I love because he first loved me. And I feel like the Lord is calling us to repent. Repent is a big word that means, well, it's not really that big, but it's kind of big in what it means. It means that we express our deep gratitude, or not gratitude, actually, our deep regret to him for not loving ourselves and others with the holy love 
that he invites us to live out. Let me, let me say that again. Repent. It means to express our deep regret to him for not loving ourselves and others with the holy love that he invites us to live out. So, I don't know what, when you express regret to the Lord for the things that you feel sorrowful about and you want to surrender over to him, I don't know what posture you take. I know that for me, sometimes, that looks like getting down on my knees. The posture of a servant. And saying, Lord... I'm sorry. Maybe that's like face plant, forehead to the pew. Maybe that's an expression of courage and coming to a place, a holy place like an altar. I don't know what that is for you. But can we join together as a body of believers and repent collectively today? Would you stand with me? Mm-hmm. If that posture for you is kneeling, kneel. If that posture for you is forehead on the front pew, or the pew in front of you, put it there. I want you to be obedient to how the Lord wants you to express your regret and repent of how we all have fallen short of his love. As we talked about today, some of you are repenting of, you know, not seeing God's image in yourself or not seeing the image of others. I don't know. You know, the Lord has pinged you. I trust him. (sighs) Let's just give some quiet space. We don't often get that gift. And just listen to the Lord. Lord, you have searched us and you know us. You know when we sit and when we rise. You know our thoughts from afar. You see our going out and our lying down. You are familiar with all of our ways. Before a word is on our tongue, you know it completely. And so, Lord Jesus, in this place, And in this space, in this time, in this month of this day, we confess that we sometimes allow the enormity of injustice to paralyze us. Would you guide us as we read, as we shop, as we pray, as we work, as we interact with others? Would you show us the battles you want us to fight to see your kingdom come? and your will be done for all people. Lord, we accept your call to act justly, to consider every action and thought we have, and to seek being just in all our actions and interactions 
we have with others. We accept your call to walk humbly with you, thinking less of ourselves and more of you, renouncing any and all arrogance or pride in us. We seek to be humble and gentle with others in the very same way that you are humble and gentle with us. Lord, we cannot do this alone. We can only do this with you and in the community of those who are following after you. And Lord, I realize in this space, there are some that may not know you yet. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and love found in and through your son, Jesus. (laughs) Save us and forgive us from our sins. We give you our lives and choose to follow, love, and live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. If that is a prayer that you prayed, you're in a space where you're investigating, but you want to know about this crazy upside-down kingdom life of Jesus and how he loved, would you seek me out? I would love to get in a conversation with you about that. You can also seek out Pastor Steve and talk with him too. Hmm. Are you guys ready to lead us? I saw these guys sweating earlier today. And you know what? They're going to lead us in worship in a song that is going to solidify Micah 6-8 for us, I believe, right? Yeah. And so you know what? God made each of these person, people, persons, people in the image of him. He made Tim, he can play, he can rock on that guitar. And cause, oh my word, come out of the drums. And Alyssa on the cello. And Eric, who's playing like five instruments at once. And Deshaun, who's, who heard from the Lord and spoke to us. And Lynette, who plays on the piano. He created them in his image. And he gave them gifts that they're giving back to us this morning and him. So let's stay standing and let's worship him with all our hearts, with all that's in us. Let's just praise his holy name.